Welcome to JR Out Loud, that's Jewish Renaissance Out Loud, which is our podcast strand, and I'm Judy Herman, and I am talking today to Hannah Moscovich in Canada. Actually, she's in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm very excited by that. And you're going to tell us all about this wonderful play that we can see here in Bristol. So welcome. Welcome to JR Out Loud. Thanks so much for having me. So there you are in Nova Scotia, which is actually where your grandparents landed? It is, yeah. So my great-grandparents came in through Pier 21, which is here in Halifax, and it's a little bit like our Ellis Island um, in the States, like our Statue of Liberty Ellis Island. So anyone who came in by boat um, would have come through Halifax and Pier 21 into Canada. And my great-grandparents did in 1908. Um, we found the records of the boats they came in on, the day they came in on, and we know that they stood there where we were standing. So, <laughs> very, very, very moving. Do you have lots of photographs of them? You know, over the process of creating Old Stock, family members that I had never met started to send me photographs of them. So now I do, but I didn't at the time. I had no photographs at all. I didn't know what they looked like um, because, you know, we're a shit poor family and came in from Romania. And because of the atrocities that were happening in Romania at the time, nobody wanted to remember Romania. Nobody wanted to remember the language um, or the history and it all got lost. And so I didn't even know what my great grandparents looked like. But now you do, and now you can show Elijah, your son, can't you? Yeah, yes. now I know. And Elijah was with you that day, wasn't he, that, that you found out about your, your great-grandparents? Yeah, so he was eight weeks old, and we had family members visiting us, because they do when you've had a baby, and we were looking for things in Halifax to do. And so, yeah, we went to Pier 21 just um, to entertain ourselves. And I was there with my aunt, Enid Moscovich. And so we stood there. There's an office full of bureaucrats whose one job is to look up your family records for you. And so we did it. And we just stood there for hours asking them. And we found bar mitzvah records. We found wedding records. We looked at the censuses so we could see which um, English names Chaim and Chaya used. Like they used Harry and Charles <laughs> so we followed them up through the years so we could see which cities they were living in and which jobs they worked. My um, great-grandfather worked as a fireman on the trains, so he um, shoveled coal into the engines. That's what he did for years and years. So I could see which jobs he had on the trains and which years. So, yeah, so suddenly I had all this information about them. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know when they died or where. I didn't know anything. So we found it all out in one day. Astonishing. What a, what a memory that is. And it was 1908, the year they came, wasn't it? So, 1908. Yeah. yeah. It was so bizarre to her, to see their names. And I, I it's, it's hard to describe it. Like, it doesn't sound dramatic when you say it, but it was definitely dramatic to have a bureaucrat suddenly pulling all this stuff about your great-grandparents and being like, yeah, and they would have come through, like, this spot. This is, and it had never occurred to me, living in Halifax for three years, that this was the moment, you know, when my family was safe and that before that they were in peril, that there was jeopardy leading up, you know, and there was a, a question of life and death, and it ended at this spot, which was where I was now standing with their great-great-grandson who was the product of them having taken this journey. How wonderful it's going to be when you can tell him all about it and show him your show so, uh, as he gets bigger. 
So, yeah. <laughs> and out of this came the show. Obviously, not the next day. I mean, it, was, it took some years. So, how much of the story? Well, tell me about the genesis of the show, how it grew, and also what it actually covers. Yeah, I went to Pier Twenty One to entertain my aunt who was here. So I didn't know that all of that family history would be meaningful in terms of my work as a writer at the time. My husband was creating a show with Ben Kaplan, um, who is a singer-songwriter who's klezmer-inspired and influenced, um, but a rock star who lives in happens to live in Halifax. And so my husband has created a bunch of shows with musicians and wanted to work with him. And I was bullying my husband, saying, I really want to work on it. I love Ben's music. Um, and around the same time, Alan Curdy, who was the toddler who was trying to escape um, from Syria, landed dead on the beach in Turkey and washed up there. And I think this isn't as well known outside of Canada. Um, he has an aunt who is, who is Canadian, and she was applying for citizenship for Alan Curdy and his family. And so for Canadians, it was that those images had a... a were particularly painful because it was hard not to think about dead baby as a possible Canadian or a potential Canadian. And it was around the time when my son had just been born. So all of that converged in our minds. You know, the idea of working with Ben, the idea of my family and the current refugee crisis. And it was also very impossible, I think, for us having, you know, for me anyway, having just walked around Pier 21 and known how my family came in and that they came in as refugees fleeing pogroms to not see a parallel or to not see that the other version, the alternate history of my family was death on a, you know, death at <laughs> death, like, like Alan Curdy. And so um, all of that came together to make old stock. Yeah. Now, now you need to explain the name. Why is it called Oh, oh, so it's, it's got old stock, and then it's got a subtitle as well, hasn't it? Um, a refugee love story, which is obvious. Yeah. But old stock, maybe that um, everybody in Canada understands that, but I have to look it up. So you explain that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, a, it's an obscure reference. So it's something that um, the former Prime Minister of Canada, Stephen Harper, said. He made a statement. He said um, he was talking at the time about... Um, refugees to Canada and should, should they get our universal health care or not? And during his time as prime minister, he um, enforced a waiting period before refugees would be able to access health care. Um, and so he said, you know, uh, universal health care is for old stock Canadians. Mm. And <laughs> so it feels like a dog whistle to racists for sure. But it, at the time, it was really hard to know what he meant because we are a country of immigrants, you know, un, unlike many European countries. And and so, you know, we didn't know who was old stock. Like, it's so everyone did some soul searching. Like, I was like, am I old stock? Mm. Like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not being um, facetious. Like, I actually don't know. I don't know if he would have included me if I'm 1908, when my great-grandparents mm. came in, and I don't think he was particularly saying, you know, Jews aren't old stock. I don't know who he thought is. I just don't know what that means in the context, you know, which wave of immigration he's including or excluding. Mm. I have a feeling probably he was including me, but I don't know. So anyway, obviously he said that, and everyone in the country lost their minds over him having said that because it felt racist. So the yeah, that's where we pull the title of the show.
So it probably meant quite a lot to Canadians, and, and I'm glad you've explained it. I suppose in my mind I could sort of see a picture of it. But now you're in the era of Justin Trudeau, and so you know things are a little bit different. Do you think, I mean, Christian Barry sounds a bit more like Trump than anything, really. And that, that again, I suppose, is relevant to your show, you know, the whole, this, the whole advent of, of Trump, who wouldn't have been there when you first were writing it, of course. Yeah, we didn't know. I mean, um, when we were writing it, Trump hadn't been elected. And so we didn't know, you know, that the show would have that kind of resonance in the mm. States as well. And we just did a tour to New York City. Yeah. So you feel it there for sure. You feel it in the audience, the tension around these issues. And I think partly because of Alan Curdy and because there was so much shame in Canada around um, how limited our refugee program was under Stephen Harper. Then Justin Trudeau came in and uh, accepted 25,000 refugees into the country. And many um, Canadians were um, moved to um, privately sponsor Syrian refugee families as a result of what was happening with Alan Kurdi. And I was actually part of um, a group. I am part of a group who are sponsoring a Syrian refugee family, and they come on Friday. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah. I love that. Finally coming. We're just putting together the last welcome package pieces for oh. them to show up. It's a family of seven, and oh, they come Friday. Oh, my goodness. Incredible. Oh, well, <laughs> muzzle top with that. That's Thank fantastic you. that you've got them coming, and you've, you've taken action. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah well, it, you know, it was often groups of, like, 30 people just because it, it, it is a fair amount of work and it's taken um, more than two years yeah. oh, what, a, what a wonderful fulfillment for you let's go back to the show so how does the show I know obviously there's all this wonderful music in the show and you're going to explain Ben Kaplan's role to me um, as the wanderer I know that's the name of his character and he sort of holds it together but that's for you to tell me um, but obviously it's it's the story of them arriving, I suppose. It, it Does it take place also in the old country? How far does it go into their future in Canada? Give me a, a feel for it. So one of the first scenes in the piece is Chaim Moskovich and Chaya Yankovich meeting, and they meet at Pier 21 in a medical inspection line for the first time. So they're both Romanian Jews coming over from Romania to Canada to Halifax, but they only meet at Pier 21 in the immigration line for the first time. And is that your, actually interesting, I, it makes me wonder, is that your brilliant idea or is that an actual fact? That is um, fiction. Uh, and there is so much in it that's fiction. You know, mm. there's only so much I know. I have these mm. grounding facts and dates. Mm. And so I use everything I have and everything I know in interviews with elderly family members. Um, and then, you know, all the dialogue is fiction. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and some of the events are, too. It's the story of them falling in love in Canada and falling in love with Canada. And when I say that, I should say, like, they have to fall in love despite all of the trauma that they carry with them from the old world, and they have to fall in love despite loving Romania um, and loving where they come from. And so that's what the story <laughs> talks about. And then Ben plays the wanderer, who is sort of like um, a bit of a an MC cabaret-ish character. Um, and from him, we get a lot of the sort of modern-day resonance and he's also the singer-songwriter, so he sings all of the songs um, that are part of the piece. But he's kind of like, he's been called so many things. He has like this Tom Waitsy, rabbinical, deadhead kind of voice. Um, and he's like this mischievous, raunchy character. Um, yeah, 
yeah, I think that's the best way to describe him. But he's kind of like a, the storyteller, and he guides you through the story of um, Chaim and Chaya showing up. And he's also sort of like a godlike figure in their lives. And he has these few sort of significant interactions with Chaim and Chaya that change the course of the story. And oh, that really does sound interesting. He also, I think his beard and his hair are practically an extra character, aren't they? He's got this yeah. extraordinary beard I've seen in the images that merges <laughs> into his hair, rabbinical or what. So <laughs> he, he yeah. is a, a beard. He had it before it was cool. But he, uh, yeah, he definitely rocks a beard, and he kind of, and he sort of looks like a hipster rabbi to me. Mm. Well, that that should go down well in Bristol, I would imagine. <laughs> so, but talking about which, I mean, you've already been to the Edinburgh Festival and rave, uh, rave reviews, got rave reviews from everybody up there, and it's it's wherever it's been, it's garnered incredible reviews. So where where has it been now? So it's been to America, just to New York, or all over the place? You know, honestly, it hasn't even been that many places yet. We premiered it in Halifax here. Um, and then we took it to Ottawa, the capital. And then we went to Edinburgh um, as part of the Canada hub there. Um, and then from there, we've gone to New York City. Now they're going to Edmonton, Canada. Mm. And then they come to Bristol. And so then there's there's touring that's going to happen after that. I know we're coming back to um, Britain for eight eight weeks in the fall. Oh, great. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, so Bristol, I think, is like our fifth or sixth stop only. I don't want you to give too much away on everything, but obviously they have children or we wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking. So how far in, into their their future does it go, if you see what I mean? <laughs> I take you through um, their early years in Canada, mm-hmm. and then, you know, at the end, because it's, it's, not, it's a non-naturalist piece, and so at the end, you know, I take you all the way up to Elijah, my son. Oh. So I take you all the way up to 2018. so you get all the way up to the present in terms of the generations it goes really really fast at the Mm. end but i i pull you all the way up to the present well i think that sounds absolutely wonderful i would imagine there's a few tears as well as laughter there then it sounds very moving i mean i usually get people at the end because Mm. i i mean for those of us yeah i mean i think that what is significant to me about the story is that from these people who made it to canada I tell you the whole generous, you know, story of how many children and grandchildren and great grandchildren and great great grandchildren they have in Canada. Mm. So I think if anyone cries, it's because they understand the significance of that, probably. Yes, the significance, which again goes back to Alan Kurdi, who you know, had he survived, would have given birth to future generations. So yes, I mean the resonance of that is absolutely massive, and it's it's obviously very very. Timely. Now, your your husband is Christian Barry. He's the director, so it's all a bit incestuous, isn't it? It's a family yeah. affair. <laughs> but tell me I a bit mean, about and that him. is me. I bullied my way into the project. He was going <laughs> to work with Beth Kaplan um, without me. They were working on a project, and I kept saying, I, I want to do that one. <laughs> and, uh, so, and, and in fact, it was Christian's idea um, to have the, the story be about my family. I came home all excited from Pier 21 and he, it was his idea that it would be about my family and that, you know, I would write it and uh, create it with them. So, yeah, so it is, yeah, it's definitely incestuous. Well, That was my fault. <laughs> it's all your fault, yes. I looked up, I, I don't know why I'm so stupid. I know your theatre company is called To Be 
theatre company and I thought, why on earth is it called that? Well, I found them saying to be or not to be somewhere, so is that why it's called that? Because it's the figure two and the literal, uh, a, um, a lowercase b. So I couldn't, I couldn't quite work it out, but I guess that's what it is, yes? Yeah, and their company is, um, it's two of them. Um, oh, it's Anthony Black and Christian Berry. It's their company, um, and so... It, it's supposed to mean two things, but yeah, okay, right. <laughs> that's one of them. Yeah, so now it's got you as well anyway. Now, but you actually, you've, you've got a lot of form as a writer, haven't you? So do any of your other projects have Jewish themes as well, your other writings? Some of them, but not all. I, yeah, for sure. And I, I move between mediums, as you do mm. if you're Canadian. Mm. <laughs> I work in TV and opera and uh, oh. theatre. My background is in theatre, so most of my work is in theatre up until, you know, uh, 2012 and then I started to work in TV a lot more so opera you say that's, you mean you've you've written libretti or, or what or yeah you, yes I don't compose I wrote I write libretti but yeah I know I have an opera going up at Opera Philadelphia oh. um, in the in the fall I have a gosh. premiere in uh, September gosh <laughs> yeah. and all that and finding time to look after your little Elijah as well which is a great name incidentally really like that a lot so, thank you. Um, a great panoply yeah. of Jewish names. That's a really good one. Um, just another question I had about this show. I guess um, everyone is an actor musician, are they? Which is yeah, always, um... yeah. So my husband, uh, who directs it, worked hard. Um, you know, both on the casting and then on working with. Uh, uh, we have you know primarily musicians who are performing, and so. We spent time, you know, voice coaches were hired <laughs> and work was done on helping those people who are used to performing as musicians on stage perform also as, as mm. actors on stage. Uh, yeah, so Ben Kaplan ha did do some theater, in, but in high school. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but he's extraordinary and they all are. Uh, it's a bit like a gig as well, isn't it? There's a lot of audience interaction, at least, especially with Ben, isn't there? So, yeah, so we yeah. wanted it to be hybrid. So it is hybrid. Um, it's like a sort of, there, it has a concept album for the stage feeling. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, it, it is, you know, music-driven theatre. Um, but at, every time, okay, so because we were just in New York, we would say, you know, it's a musical and people got very <laughs> angry because it's not a musical, mm. really. I mean, uh the songs don't move the narrative forward. Oh. The songs comment on the action. So it's more like a musical, like cabaret where um, music comments on the action, but it doesn't forward the action. And having been, you know, now in the birthplace of the musical with the piece, we're more careful about how we use our language mm. around describing it. But yeah, it's like, it's lyrical theater. Yes. Oh, I like that. Lyrical theater. You've got, you've got just a new one on me and I just love it. So Ben is a bit of an MC, isn't he? What and he is knows? an MC. So there's mm. lots of like, we drew on cabaret in mm. particular as an, as an inspiration for how to, con mm. you know, how to structure mm. the piece well i like the fact that it's no fourth wall and not realism and it's all a bit much realism i think I've, it sounds to me more immediate to grab you more i know i'm asking lots of dark questions in a way but now i suddenly wanted i want to know what they wear i mean you're not going for oh we're going to look like 1908 then probably or are you the costumes to some like reference it for mm -hmm. sure um 
but they're <laughs> again they're not you know it's not naturalist so they're not mm. in 1908 costumes no. no you know they all kind of worked with the costume designer to have something that they felt good in but that would reference that time period mm. um, because they're musicians also so once again like for them even to have a costume designer touch them was weird <laughs> they were like really weirded out they were like mm. she's touching me oh. we're like yeah she's getting your measurements <laughs> like they don't have people um costume them normally so even that was new and different mm. and weird for them and it was for sure fun to see theater through the eyes of you know musicians and rock stars and and what weirded them out and they're also they'll talk all the time about how extraordinary the level of attention is in theater because they're used to you know mm. working in concert halls and so they love theater audiences that listen we listen as theater audiences so intently you know and they're, they're they love it they're fascinated yeah. by that yeah what's not to like about that i noticed that in a lot of the pictures there's a huge prayer shawl a huge tallet hanging behind uh, ben so uh, yeah. that that's a really fine piece of an important piece of costume clearly then so he's for him is it yeah, he says a, a prayer in it, a funeral prayer at one point, and so that shawl becomes important within that, and that shawl is an important piece of the storytelling too. It, it, it it's in the story, so and it is one of the few places where there's a crossover in the story between uh, Ben and the musical world and Chaim and Chaya, and that like that important Jewish item crosses over those worlds. Yeah. It all sounds wonderful. I can't wait to see it, which I am lucky enough, hopefully, to be doing in May in Bristol. Are you coming? Perhaps not with the baby, I suppose. I'm or... not, so I'm going to stay here oh. um, in Halifax with Elijah. <laughs> Christian will come, so okay. Christian will come to, you know, um, hang the show, like hang the lights mm. and get it all loaded in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And maybe you'll come in the autumn. At some point yeah i'd love mm. to come my so the other side of my family is british my mom oh. is from london oh, and immigrated know. to canada and mm, i have a ton of british family my nana was in britain until she died and all my aunts are in britain mm. so i'd love to come mm. well thank you so thank much for talking to me i can't tell you how much i've enjoyed it thanks so much for having me <laughs>